Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your grace and your mercy. Lord, that you have taught us everything that we need to know. Lord, help us to learn more. Help us to learn and to just take your word to our heart. Father God, allow you to talk to us. Father, we just pray, Holy Spirit, be here this morning, Lord, to just really teach us and open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'll try... Try not to go too long this morning. I understand we've got all the kids in and stuff like that without Sunday school on. Um, so what I wanted to do is just start sharing this week about uh, children, what, what they are like in the kingdom of God. As parents, what we're meant to do, and if you don't have kids, good to listen now because one day you may have kids and it'll be really handy to know what God is saying. And you start to prepare your heart. You see, God's word is so amazing that it doesn't just answer our questions but it also prepares us for his work on this earth. And children are a blessing from God. That's what the Bible says, um, that they are a blessing. And God knows that we need good gifts on this earth and he calls children a good gift. He gifts us with children. So we need to make sure that if these are a gift from God that we know how we steward the gift that he gives us. How do we actually look after our children? How do we grow them in the ways of God? Now, I'm not going to answer every question that you have this morning. I'm sure of that. But hopefully, you'll be able to start to get a bit of an idea of the importance that God places on bringing up our children and bringing them up in a godly way. But also, a few of the things, the, the, uh, the ways that we're meant to do it. It's not going to give you specific tools. If you're a parent, it's good to do some parenting courses and things like that. But... What we want is the heart behind what you do. And I can honestly say that we brought our children up by just doing what the Bible said the best we could. Okay, now that's probably in the heart of every parent to do that. And sometimes it it seems like we fail. Maybe our kids aren't exactly how we thought they'd be be and, and maybe some of them even rebel and things like that. But can I just encourage you this morning that you're just an earthly parent. There was a father who created two perfect people in a garden that was perfect who walked and talked with them every single day and they rebelled. So if God can't stop children rebelling, if they really want to, it's not always on the parent. It's not always on the parent. But what God wants us to do is be the best parents that we can to steward this gift that that he gave us. Okay, so firstly, I'm just going to go through, um, actually, before I do that, just a bit of an advertisement. We need some people to help set chairs up. Andrew Harvey, our chairman, the chairman of Cornerstone, <laughs> has uh, had a shoulder operation just last week. So I'd like to put the call out for young men or women that would love to help with that. And if I can get more than one, it would be fantastic because then we can all come early on different days and things like that. So please come and see me. And if you don't, I might have to make a few phone calls and see if we can get some people to help. But it's such a blessing, honestly, setting up chairs, if I have to do it, it's such a blessing to be able to go around, put the chair up and say, God, bless the person who sits here today. Lord, I just pray your word just fills their heart this morning that your Holy Spirit touches them, whoever sits here. And it's a real blessing to actually do that. It's not just a menial task. It's a, it's a ministry in a way because you get to pray Um, for people as you're setting them up. Okay, we already looked at how Jesus invited children in. 
So this is my first point. We've got nine points. I think I'll do three today for time's sake. But number one, with children, we've got to remember that God loves them. God just absolutely loves children. It's something that he has a heart for, and, and we read that passage in Matthew 12 already. But let's read it, Matthew chapter 18 now, verse 1 to 7. Matthew 18, verse 1 to 7. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him, put the child among them. Now, that must have been a bit of a surprise. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. If you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck, be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So we see here some things that Jesus is saying that we should do. We need to firstly humble ourselves and look at kids and start to think, maybe I should be a bit more like them. We need to welcome them in, just as God has welcomed us into his family. He's loved us. And in fact, he goes even further and says, if you welcome a child, you're actually welcoming me. Now, doesn't that challenge our attitude sometimes towards children, where they're a distraction, they're a pain, they're, they're not really a blessing? God's saying this, you need to welcome those kids. Because if you actually take a moment to look at their heart, their innocence, the way they are open to the kingdom of God, you will learn something here. You will learn that the greatest person is the one that is like them, that is humble, that, that doesn't think that they're the boss of everything. Now, some kids maybe do think that, but they're let to be the boss. But it's so much in the heart of God that we don't harm children, that he says this, that anyone who causes a little one to walk away from me and fall into sin, it's better for you to get a big millstone around your neck and jump in the ocean because I'm going to deal with you one day. I'm going to deal with you one day. And we look around this world and what happens to kids and we grieve and our heart gets broken because of what happens. I can tell you right now, God's heart breaks a whole lot more than ours. And when our heart is broken for what is happening to children, when, when we see injustice and abuse and, and poverty amongst children, God's heart is broken much more than ours. And he's saying to us, I love them so much because they're innocent. They're in a place where they can be led either into sin or maybe just abuse. But I'm going to deal with those people. You know, God hates it. And sometimes we blame God for things like that in the world. People do, they tend to. Well, if God's God, why does he let this happen? It happens because we follow after sin. People follow after sin. And you think, well, why doesn't he come in? And, and I've said this once before, he did. It was called the flood. He destroyed the whole world because it was so bad. He was just like, I just have to get rid of these people. But he saved a few righteous men. And by that way, he allowed Christ to come and bring us salvation. 
Doesn't mean he doesn't hate it. Doesn't mean he approves of it. Doesn't mean he causes it. What causes it is the sin heart of man. And if every man gave their life to Christ, they would be changed. Because they would receive the heart from the Father that Jesus says he has. Where he says, let the little children come to me and don't offend them. In fact, he says, woe to you. Woe to you if you cause a little one to, talk, to turn away from me and to fall into sin. And there are temptations in this world. We know that. They're inevitable. But what God says is you need to start to think about what you do. How is what your actions and character affecting children? How is it affecting them? When you are in front of children, is your character displaying God to them? Is it saying if you follow God, that's the best thing? Or is it displaying something else? Is it displaying a lack of sincerity for the things of God? Is it a lack of love for people? Is it a complaining spirit? Is it no dedication or faithfulness to the things of God? Because if kids see that molded in our behaviour as a church and we had a child this morning that we dedicated, if they looked at us, and judged how we treat the kingdom of God as adults, what would their answer be? What would their answer be? It's important. God loves kids, and we should too. And Titus 2.4 says that we are to teach younger women to love their husbands and their children. It's not just always an automatic thing. We don't all know how to love perfectly, but we need to learn. We need to learn what it is to love our children. Number two, teach your children to fear the Lord and obey his commands. We've looked at marriage a little bit and what what we're looking for in a man as, as the head of a house. And what did God say first? The man who fears God. That's the man you should be looking for. When it talks about women, it talks about the woman who fears God and how she is to be prized above everything else. And that has to be the start of us teaching our children. If we don't fear God, if we don't respect God and honour God firstly, make him number one in our lives, how can we even expect that our children would do the same thing? Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct your children onto the right path and when they're older they will not leave it. Parental care is prime. It is an amazing power that we have because children, they really are innocent and they trust you. They trust you. They believe that their dad's a superman and their mum's a superwoman and they are to them. And so the way we act and what we teach is so important. Deuteronomy 11. Let's look at that. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 to 21. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. It's powerful to teach our children the things of God. 
When do we do it? All the time. All the time. If you read that, it's saying do it when you're at home, when you're on the road. Do it when you're getting up in the morning, when you're going to sleep at night. Your life and what you teach them has to be God. It has to be God in every situation. We can't be fearful that our children will reject us if we tell them the truth of the word of God. If we know what God wants and we don't tell them, we're being neglectful as parents. We cannot let them just walk on a path that leads to death. We have to teach them often. We have to teach them everywhere. We have to write it down. We have verses or play songs about God. We need to tell them of our experience in God to pass it on. What is your experience? Have you ever given your testimony to your children? Have you ever told them how you were saved? Have you ever told them, you know what, even if I was a Christian all my life, there was that point where I had to give my life to Christ because I couldn't rely on my mum and my dad and their faith? Or was it out of horror and God delivered you? Even as a Christian, I've had bad things happen in my life. But you know what? I'm not going to hide that from my children. I'm going to say, this happened in my life, but God delivered me. You start to point to them the experience that you've had and you start to allow them to enter into that experience with God as well. And in Malachi chapter 2, it's Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It talks about how the family, the whole reason for family is so that we can pass God on from generation to generation. He made parents so that we could talk about God to our children. And can I say, everyone in this church is to help parent the children in this church, to bring God to their life. We've just promised that this morning with a child that's out here. Malachi 2, 15 and 16. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. We belong to God. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart and remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And he goes on to talk about divorce and how God doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. That's not his best. He wants us to have godly marriages with godly children. Now, people don't always walk to that. I understand that. But that verse 15 says this, what does he want? What does God want? He wants godly children from your union. So God's plan is that a mum and dad both fear the Lord. They both have a heart for God. And out of that, they have children And out of that, God says, this is what I want. This is what I want. That you would have children that are godly from your union. And if you are not teaching your children that the number one priority in life is God, then you're failing. And we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks' time because it's really actually quite serious, the way we treat our parenting. But... We're going to wait till school starts again and we can talk to parents and really challenge deeply what we do with our children. Number three, be an example of faith. We've talked about that a little bit and leave a godly inheritance. Proverbs 13.22 says, Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. 
But the sinner, sinner's wealth, passes on to the righteous. I think sometimes we have this really... Now, we understand that's talking about money in this case. But there is a godly heritage that we can pass on. And sometimes... I don't know, especially in Australia, I see that grandparents are not really active in that life of their children. Often I read things from America and and it's like the grandparents just, that's what they want to do. They want to bring their grandchildren up in the way of the Lord. They're not just thinking children, they're thinking grandchildren. It's a generational thing when we pass it on from generation to generation. And as we do that, the Bible promises us that the children will be blessed. We read just before about how if we do that, that God's going to prosper our children in the land that he promised them. What is the land that God has promised us as Christians? Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you've never really studied out God's promises for you. But I can tell you this right now, one of the things is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Another one is financial blessing. Another one is healing to their bodies. They're entering into a place of promise with God where they can rest in him. And that's what God is asking us to pass on. Timothy in the Bible, that's an example of someone whose grandmother and mother poured into his life who God was and he became an amazing man of God. 2 Timothy 1.5 says this, I remember your genuine faith, For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. If you want kids of strong faith, pour into them. Be an example of faith to them. 2 Timothy 3.14 to 16. But you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. Who by? Who was his teacher? His grandmother and his mother. It's not just a man thing, it's everybody taking part. You've been taught what? The Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you what? Wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you right now, if you don't teach your kids how to get saved and teach them the Word of God, there's a good chance they may not. Because when you speak the scriptures to them, it gives wisdom to receive what? Salvation that comes through who? Jesus Christ. You have to let them know there is no other way to salvation. Don't let them be fooled by the world which says there's a lot of paths. Don't say, yes, we have to be tolerant and it's okay to believe anyway because every road leads to heaven. It doesn't. It really, really doesn't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He didn't say, I'm one of your options. I'm one of the things that you could do. He said, this is the way through me. Only through me will you get to the Father. And it is only Jesus who brings forgiveness of sin. Only Jesus. Because all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. This is how God disciplines us, through his word. And can can I tell you right now, the way we parent, 
The way we bring our children up will determine greatly how they treat God. If we bring our children up in a respectful way and they respect their mum and dad, they're going to respect God. If we allow our children to rebel and run amok and not discipline them, there's every chance that their Christian walk will be exactly the same. Rebellious against God, not doing what he wants to do, arguing with him all the time, thinking that everything's unfair, that it's just not right. And there's every chance that if we don't discipline our children properly, which is our next point, that they might not relate to God in a right way, in a godly way. So that brings us to our next point, which is actually number four. I might get to five. I think four might do. But discipline your children well. Discipline them well. And I was thinking about kids, and I was thinking of it in terms of eggs, actually. You know, you go to the shop, and you see the eggs sitting on the shelf there, and you've got cage eggs, you got barn laid and you got free range. And I was thinking of kids in the same way. We don't want kids that are free range, do we? They just go wherever they want, do whatever they want, lay their eggs wherever they want. You got to go and find them. But we also don't want to constrict our kids to a cage where they are so bound and, and um, bound by law, basically, and rules and regulations that there's no freedom to be who they are. Point five really speaks to this, the one after this point. So if you're not going to be here in two weeks' time, you can come and see me and we can talk about it. But if you are, we'll go on to that. But discipline them well. We need to have kids that have boundaries, but they're not smothered. And that's part of not provoking your children. I have to just put that in there because, you know what, if you tease your kids and, and, and make them upset all the time, you're going to break their spirit. You're going to break their spirit. You don't want to provoke your kids to anger by what you do. And, and you want to allow them to be free, to be who God made them to be. They're not meant to be made for your benefit in the fact that your dreams that were unfulfilled, you're going to fulfill through them. So you put a pressure and, and you exert that sort of pressure on them that you have to be like this because I wasn't, you must be. Well, this is my dream and so now I'm projecting it onto you and you see it all the time with kids with sport and, and things like that, education, where there's such a pressure on the kid to be this person and there's no freedom to be who God wants them to be. So God disciplines us well through his word. And why does he do it? It says because we're not illegitimate. We're actually his real children. And what he says is God disciplines those he loves. Parent, you do not love your child if you don't discipline it. You just don't love them. If you don't discipline your child, you are showing a lack of love for your children. That's what God's saying. He's saying he disciplines us. Why? For our benefit, so that it can reap a fruit of righteousness in our life in the same way us with children. Proverbs 22.15 talks about the rod of correction, removing foolishness from the heart of a child. Proverbs 23.13 says, Don't withhold correction. Why? Because it can deliver your child's soul from hell. That's pretty powerful words. And let's just look at 
Proverbs 29:17. It says, "Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul." But if we go back and look at how we discipline well, Proverbs 29:15 actually says this: "The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother." You know what we can't do is discipline a kid without telling them why. There's a rod, but there's also rebuke and the giving of wisdom. You cannot go and punish a child unfairly. That's not right. It's like sometimes you see in classes, you know, like some kid will muck up so the whole class gets punished. You can't do that. You have to be fair and just with what you do. But you also have to rebuke and give wisdom. It's not about smacking your kids and belting them. There's other ways that you could use a rod. Sometimes you have to, but you can't do it in anger. You can't do it in fury. But with that, and like God does, he brings his word to bring correction, to show us where we're wrong, but also to teach us the right path. Discipline without showing a kid why is a failure. You need to show them why. You're disciplining them in that way. And you need to give them the chance to correct their behaviour. And discipline teaches us this. It shows us how to relate to God. It shows your children how they're to relate to God. And so when we hand out discipline in any way, it needs to be given with God's wisdom. Not manly wisdom, but God's wisdom. It shows us how to relate to God. And the Bible is clearly saying here, but if you just leave your kids to themselves, just let them do whatever they want, they're going to bring shame to the mother. Why? Because they don't respect her. And fathers, we've got to play our part in this. Don't let your kids be unrespectful to their mum. Mums, don't let your kids be disrespectful to their father. You stand together in this. Because what you're teaching them is how they're relating to God, how they are to treat God as a heavenly father. That's pretty important, wouldn't you say? And I think that's why it says that if we don't correct our kids, we're going to leave them going off to hell, basically. It's saying the rod of correction will save their soul from hell. That's pretty big. That is really big. So we need to know God's word, we need to give God's word and speak God's word to our children and allow it to work in their lives. Number five will be don't provoke your children. But we'll have a look at that in a fortnight's time. That's probably enough to take in for now. Can I just say that if you're a parent and you're thinking I'm lacking wisdom, the Bible just says in James... Anyone who lacks wisdom, all they need to do is ask for it. You ask God and you don't doubt in your heart. You say, I know God can give me wisdom. He will give it to you. And I've got to say that all through the life of my children, we've prayed. We've prayed every single day. We don't just pray that they'll be safe. We pray for their salvation. We pray the Holy Spirit will fill them. We pray that they'll understand and know God. We are speaking life into our children every day. And when they've been off the path, there's been times when we've had to talk to them about it and say, hey, listen, that is not what God wants. 
And of course, as they become adults, we get less of a say in their life. But then we go back to Proverbs, which says, if you teach your children the way of the Lord, when they're older, they won't depart from it. There'll be something of God's word that comes and rises up in their heart. But it's teaching them God's ways, God's ways, that is so important. What does he want? Excuse me, (laughs) just burp. (laughs) What does he want? What does he want for their life? What's, what's the whole point of God anyway? Is it to make us, like we just said before, caged animals? No, it's not. It's to put us under his wing. In fact, when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he said, how I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers the chicks under her wing, to provide safety and shelter, to look after and love, just as we're to do with our children. But it wasn't to suffocate them. It wasn't to keep them cooped up. But it was to keep them safe so that they can go and be the chickens that they should be. And that's exactly what we are as a parent, to bring our children up in the ways of the Lord, not in a religious, righteous way, but in a way that is led by the Spirit that honours God and loves God and shows our children the importance of who God is in our life. That's what we're going to do as parents. And I believe we can do it because God has given us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to be the people that he wants us to be. Take your faith seriously and teach it to your children because you are going to save their life.